Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. This week, I have with me Mr. ZM Delgado. He is an author. He, is a, uh, he has a website uh, called ZachAlanon.com, and a portion of this uh, website is uh, a thing he does called the, Rock, the Rust Belt Rock Review. And uh, that's kind of how, it's kind of what we're kind of like really wanted to talk about with some of the, what you're doing with that. But you can, we'll, we'll talk about the whole thing. And um, first of all, I love, thanks for coming. Absolutely. I appreciate being here. Yeah, that was cool. You came in a pinch for us too. Today. I appreciate that, man. More than really happy cool. to. And, um, but yeah, so, so you, you, uh, you're an author. Correct. Let's start there. That's, that, that, that's your primary thing. You're a journalist, a writer. Or... Well, I began, uh, you know, as a kid, it's always been kind of a dream of mine because I'm was a big reader. Um, I started out, you know, poetry that led into lyricism, um, but I always wanted to chase after that, you know, the great American novel kind of thing and yeah. get there. I tried dozens of times and failed, but eventually I, uh, I completed um, a book. It's a three-part series as of now entitled uh, The Documents of Stone. Um, it's fantasy fiction. Um, I spent some time working on that and had limited success in getting attention, you know. So uh, then my kids were born, and I just took a few years off because right. uh, there's a lot to do. But eventually they got to the point where I said, I, w- I want to pursue it again, but it had been a while. So I didn't want to just jump right in to my novel series again, thinking I'd be a little rusty. So I started uh, with some short stories. Then I ran into this, how do I put these stories out? Because every social media outlet has character limits and things like that. Oh, right. And you're not just going to post a 30 to 50 page story in a Facebook, you know, block or something. No one would read that anyways. Exactly, exactly. They scroll right past it. So at that point, I set up the website for a medium to have somewhere to share to. Got some, you know, feedback from that. People, horror fans checking out my stories and uh, my novels. Um, but then me and my buddy, Chen Killingsworth is his name. He goes to most shows with me. Um, got to talking about how I could kind of get more traffic. And I said, you know what I should do? I should start reviewing albums and stuff. Just, you know, because most nights it's me and him hanging out, drinking a couple beers and talking about heavy metal and hard rock music. And I love to write. And I put the two together, did a couple reviews of, um, Crowbar's new record and Sabaton's new album went fairly well. Um, just two records I was picking up anyway, so I figured why not jot down my thoughts. Right. And we drove up to a little club called Parts and Labor in Michigan to see the band Lich King from Massachusetts, who I've been itching to see for a really long time. Um, and it was for my birthday weekend. So we got up there, and I, um, I knew it was an underground thrash show, more or less. So I reached out to Cleveland-area uh, band Assault, and said, hey, would you guys, do you have some flyers, stickers, or some promo demo, something you want me to hand out to, you know, out-of-town metal crowd? And that's when I found out that frontman of Assault, Dylan, actually doubles as bass player in Mutilation Barbecue, oh. who was one of the opening acts that night. So I walked in up there, and there's some Cleveland boys. And so, you know, we get to talking. And the show went great. And while I'm there, I'm handing out my card to people. Had uh, quite a few beers, was feeling pretty bold, and I'm a writer. I'm reviewing the show. I'm re- You check my website out. And I, I went home, and I sat down, and I wrote like five pages describing the bands, describing the sets, the club, the setting, 
the the energy of the scene, and right. it, it was a banger. I mean, there were people flying around the place. Chris uh, Chris Maggot of Mutilation Barbecue broke two toes in the pit that night. Could <laughs> uh, he jumped off stage in the middle of a wall of death? It was it was great. <laughs> um, and and from there, I've just been rolling with it. I've been going to shows. New albums come out that I like, and I put up an article, and um, I found that people are very receptive and. The musicians in this scene are very open to having somebody come out and pay attention to what they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. We know all about that. And 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 that's exactly uh, one of the reasons what when I read when you I was reading what you you know your thing would you said to us and I was like, Wow, this guy is exactly what we're looking for. Because because you're 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 into the scene, but what I'm hearing right now, which is even more cool, is you're not doing anything outside of what you would be probably doing anyways. You're just writing about it. Precisely. And that and that's pretty neat because then you're doing something you really love, and that then I think that the product will will, will be better for it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm very passionate about heavy metal music. I have been since I was a kid, and um, it's always been a place for me, a safe place, a family, unity, yeah. and. I feel like these bands are working very hard and the media by and large ignores underground music, you know, unless you're one of the biggest bands in heavy metal, you hardly get any notice from the media. Truth. Let alone these guys that are out there busting their humps in these small clubs, running their own merch tables, hauling their own gear. So I decided they need a voice. Someone needs to speak for these great bands here in Cleveland that are really, I mean, there are some quality out there. Absolutely. There really is. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's what we're, that's what we're finding out too, is that as we meet all these new people that we're meeting through this show is that the level of musicianship is, is like, Whoa, man, these guys yeah. are not just like, you know, I think there's a, a stigma with, with local musicians because they didn't make it. That means something about them that's negative about their playing. Absolutely. I think that's a stigma that a lot of common people have. And when I say common people, I don't mean anything less. I just mean the people who aren't fanatical about a certain thing. Absolutely. And the majority of the people, basically. You know, the fanatic, the heavy metal fanatic, they're still a minority. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, but I think that there's a stigma that, that definitely is, is attributed to the local musician. And what we're finding out through these interviews especially is they're really no different than any of the other musicians that are being interviewed nationally or whatever mm-hmm. as far as who they are. They're the same They're the same guy. They're crazy musicians is what Absolutely. they are. They're all that's what they are. Mm-hmm. You meet them and they're, and they're all kind of odd dudes who are just in love with music and their instrument and what they're doing. And that's what it is. And some of them are just unbelievable at it. They just didn't make it on this national level for whatever reason. And some of these guys nationally aren't nearly as good as some of these local oh, yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. It's just the way it works, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever reason. But it's very interesting when you get to meet these people, right? I mean, oh, like, God, yeah. and you get to hang out with them. So you're you're, you're going to step ahead of me. You're like more like Pat. Pat gets to go out and hang out. He goes out mm-hmm. and hangs out with the bands and stuff. That's where the real fun's at, right? Oh, I mean, it's, it's a blast, man. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I walked in to the foundry to go check out Assault for the first time since COVID reopened. And I was treated to seeing progressive death metal band Zoe, who I had never heard before. And I, anytime I hear the word progressive, I get very leery. Yeah, right. Because uh, that can go a couple different ways. A hundred different ways. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but <laughs> oftentimes it bores bores the pants off of me, man. Um, it just gets long and forever noodling, and I don't want to hear that crap. Um, but 
But other bands, you know, like Chemist and Mastodon, um, are very compelling. Yeah. So I walk into this and I said, I asked uh, Dylan from Assault, Zo, man, progressive death metal, what does this mean? And he said, um, long songs and weird time signatures. <laughs> that is no help, man. So, you know, <laughs> but either way, I was checking them out because I was there. And they played a phenomenal set. I mean, passionate. Their front man, I think his name's Cameron, if I'm not um, incorrect there. Um, I told him he's a hybrid of Chuck Schuldinger of Death and Robert Plant. His, his, yeah, I know, high praise, right? But you know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just a, two completely different things going yeah, on there. well, you're talking about a kid who's got that the flamboyant stage theatrics, flinging oh. himself around oh. the way Plant used to do, and the voice of Chuck. And, I, and he's playing, too, on like half the songs. The other ones, he puts the axe down, and he's moving. Um, but they're very impressive. They got an album on Spotify called Red Sky. It's so solid. Like, I, I put it on all the time, and I yell at them. Because they won't print me a damn CD, and I'm old, and I don't want to stream my music. <laughs> now, do you do you pick these bands yourself to go out and kind of like the is it is it something or does the bands have they come to you now and said, hey man, come out to our show? Do you, you know like to try to get a review? A little bit of both. Um, you know, I don't have an editor or a, or a, a publisher or anyone who sends me anywhere. I kind of just follow the scene. Um, I'm very hot on Assault right now with their forthcoming release and. Um, so I, I've been going to a lot of their shows. The the best thing about that, though, is that they're playing with three to five other local bands every time. Sure. So it's like going to your favorite restaurant, getting your favorite dish, and then having your choice of brand new side dishes. Yeah, they favorite. come out and they're like, oh, we also offer this. Yeah, yeah, build your own <laughs> combo. Um, yeah. It's pretty excellent. Um, and I have also been solicited by a number of acts, um, both locally and from out of town recently. Uh, last weekend, I was down at Maple Grove Tavern. I got to cover Pigweed and uh, Kansas City's Dreams in Peril on their first ever tour. Um, got to interview with those two bands. I also um, was lucky enough to discover a really cool kind of blues rock um, band out of Columbus called Dressed in Electric. And they really impressed me, man. These guys were, were cool. They're a little bit older, you know, probably late 30s, I'd guess. They play very hard, very well. And uh, they're like in the vein of like a corrosion of conformity oh, kind of. That's cool. Not, not quite that metalish, but um, they're kind actually. Of that vein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a southern rock blues twinge to it, and it's very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was that was Louisiana rock, the the NOLA type stuff. Oh yeah, that. absolutely. Um, so have you ever been? It's just, is it just is it just the love for music? Have you ever tried to play instruments? Have you ever gone that direction? And I mean, writers can be pretty valuable in music, also as far as lyricists and stuff like that go. Did you, did you ever go down that road? Um, I, I I fronted a number of bands over the years. We never really made any any noise. Played a few shows at the old Peabody's down in the Flats. A couple more at when it was on the CSU campus. Local gigs around town, beer busts out in the east side of a Lake County, things right, like right, right, that. Right. But you know, nothing really. But you got your feet. You got a little. You just got a little taste of what it was like and oh, stuff like that. Oh yeah, good absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. then um, I also uh, went to Tri C for a while for their recording arts program oh. and did some work behind the soundboard. That's actually where I met my wife, oh, my baby. Interesting. And uh, <laughs> um, it, it you know, so I, I've got I've recorded and produced a few underground records over the years as well and i uh, did wow. the booking and promoting side of it and the grind of selling tickets all of that so I, I have a perspective um on what these young local bands underground bands are going through and how hard it is to just get it done at the most basic level let alone to push it to the next level and 
and then beyond that to get national attention, um, it's not something you can really do on your own. You need a community around you. You need people to support you, the club owners, people like us in the media, um, fellow bands, and, of course, like loyal fans. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and speaking of that, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, we've been talking about the bands and stuff, and you were mentioning Maple Grove a little bit ago. Do you review the, the clubs ever? Do you ever, or, or in the review of, oh, yeah. of the of the show, do you go over and say, in this club, you know, it's the first time I've been mm-hmm. here, and this place is such and such? Yeah, I try to I try to give at least a little bit of flavor on the venue itself. Um, I don't want to go too, too in-depth because... You know, they want the, the readers want to hear about the bands, but I like to let people know what they're in store for. Um, you know, like I went in in my newest review, I talked about Maple Grove, talked about a sound problem, and then talked about how quickly it was fixed as as a positive for the club's sound engineer being right on top of it. Yeah. Um, in my um, review of the Danzig show down in uh, Cincinnati, it was at the new Andrew J. Brady Center, and it's only been open for about a year at this point. So I obviously I'd never been there. Most people haven't been there. Um, and it was a phenomenal place. Yeah. It, it was an arena, but it's set up specifically for like music performance, and um, it was very very nice. I really like the way it was designed. Do you do you do you find that when you're doing these reviews of the bands, are you fair? I mean I mean I mean are you are you doing fair reviews or are you promoting more so do you feel or i mean i mean honestly did you ever have you been in the situation yet where you went and you're just like oh my god (laughs) and 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 now i have to because you know i mean how do you feel about that well here's my thing national bands your head's on the chopping block you come to my town (laughs) you're gonna put on a show for me um and i'm gonna be honest because you got here on your own and you need to know whether you're doing great or not for my local talent um i try to take a fair approach but I don't like to, you know, for lack of a better term, I don't want to shit on them. I don't want to shit. I agree. I, eat. I agree with that. Um, so when I look at a band, and first of all, I try to discount subgenre issues. You know, like if I, I don't like new metal, I don't like country music. I would never cover a country band. That's a bad example. But um, there, there's lots. I know of, what you mean, though. Yeah, I know like, what you mean, like, though. Um, it's not your, it's not your flavor. Not my thing. So you might not, you're not really judging this yeah, fairly because exactly. your bias is entering into yes it. so what i do in that situation is i always look at musicianship because i can tell if somebody's playing good stuff or bad stuff regardless of genre or um performance energy which is very important to me right. connection with the crowd passion in the set and then i will try to highlight the kids in the room who are just losing their minds banging their heads moshing five dude mosh pit beating the hell out of each other. Yeah. You know, the guys who are just, they love what's happening. And then I talk to them after the set. Yeah. yeah. I was, was going to ask that. So like, do you, ever, do you ever just spark up conversations with the fans oh. and just be like, Hey, you know, like, I mean, I, when I used to go all the shows, I would just do that in general. Anyways, you mm-hmm. just find, cause yeah. it, it's a great place to meet people. People yeah. are in a great mood and it's, it's, you know, you could get really good conversations with oh, people. Yeah. I've These made, people have common, something in common with you. Yeah. You know? I've met uh, a couple guys here and there over the years, a couple ladies that I see at every gig. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we've become friends. We talk. We communicate on social media. We share show info. Um, so it's a great way to meet people. I mean, now I used to come up to people and say, hey, I love your shirt. You know, oh, that's a great patch on your vest, whatever it is. Um, now I walk up to people and I ask them, how did you enjoy the set? And I give them the card. We still talk about shirts and vests. But, you know, <laughs> right. I, uh, you know I've got this new segue into conversations with different people and also members of bands. So it's, it's very interesting because now when I approach an act, 
and I hand them the card and I explain who I am and what I do, I get a very different response than I used to get as the casual guy in the black shirt coming sure. up to the table saying, you rock. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough. I mean, I even got to speak with Pepper Keenan of COC at the last time they came through on industrial strength. And, oh. and it was cool. I mean, those are great guys. If you ever met COC there, they're so down to earth and so fun. I've had the opportunity to talk to him a number of times over the years, but this is the first time I ever approached him in this capacity. Phil Anselmo too? I mean, is this, is no, it? no, 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 oh. that's down. No. Phil. Oh yeah. What am I thinking? Yeah, yeah. He's down. No. Yeah. Uh, no, Phil, Phil is uh, someone I would very much like to chat with. He is one of the most interesting characters in metal. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, well, just to get a, a normal conversation out of him is a miracle. Oh my God. Yeah. I love, I love listening to him talk. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of, he's, he's one of my favorites for a long time, but, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I, what I what I would like to talk about, how much time we got, Pat? All right, I'll, I'll talk about it in the second second segment. I want to talk about your authors doing some of the things you authored mm-hmm. before a lot of this too, just to just to get an idea for you. Okay. Um, all right, so um, let's see, what do I want to say here? Five minutes, huh? All right. So recently, some of the shows that you've been to. Mm-hmm. Um, do you actually go to shows that that you don't necessarily maybe you wouldn't go to now? I mean, we discussed earlier that this is what you would normally do. Mm-hmm. But do you find now that you're looking for more shows to go to because now you've kind of got this thing going on? Yeah, yeah, I'm constantly uh, scanning, you know, social media and uh, all the club posts to see who's playing where, when. Keep an eye on my calendar, try to make everything match up. And, oh yeah, and try to get you know different try to stuff. Have something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I'm not, if I don't have a show lined up. Um, I'll do an album review of some kind. There's always something new coming out. Oh, so you so you just pull from that. So yeah. So if you don't have a show, you got something else that you can you do. Just mm-hmm. are you doing local albums now too? Is that are you staying um, kind of local? Is that just the whole thing now? That is my primary focus. But I mean, you know, I go to see a ton of national bands too. So uh, why not write them up? Right. Um. But yeah, as far as local focus now, like I'm I'm very I'm following the progression of Assault leading towards their CD release party. And um, all the bands that are sharing the stage with them along the way are getting write-ups because uh, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing as yeah. far as their their friends in the scene. With our man ZM Delgado, he's an author. He also has the Zachalanter.com website set up, and a part of that is the Rust Belt Rock Review, which he does uh, goes out sees the gigs and then simply writes a review on the gig so people have an idea about the bands and uh, he's promoting the bands and uh one of the bands he's promoting right now uh it sounds like a, in a big way is assault absolutely very big up-and-coming band we see them everywhere i see the assault logo a lot yeah i see that a lot um it's pretty cool i mean uh we actually have uh, terry johnson from uh Bessemer saints when he was in here he had the assault shirt on yeah yeah i noticed that when i saw the interview i, I was like got to help out your brothers in the scene that's excellent yeah and, th- and that was there there's some guys there that bessemer saints group they're big about that they're all you know they, they're they're a little pool of guys too and they kind of like they're all into some different bands the rick ray band is uh shaggy's in that band also another hard rock kind of progressive hard rock band but they're pretty good check them out um oh bessemer saints oh no I, no no oh. uh rick ray oh, okay rick ray yeah he's another one progressive hard rock progressive metal type band but really good interesting yeah. awesome shit um so what i want to talk about with you is we start off talking about you're an author right. and and so this is more of journalism what you're doing here you know you're writing about and stuff but but so you wrote some books and stuff 
that's how you started this whole. That's how you started writing, basically. You're starting, yeah. and you you touched on it, but what was some of the stuff that you know you did? Like you, you even you told me before you even did some like kids stuff. Yeah, well, um, I have a, a children's book. It's called A Werewolf at My Party, oh. um, and it is uh, something that I wrote for my nephew um, for his birthday um, some years ago. And um, it's about the kid in the story has his name. It's Theron, and um, it's about uh, his birthday is coming up and. His mom invites everyone in the neighborhood to the party, including the new kid down the street who's a werewolf. And uh, and Theron is uh, understandably concerned about this and says, I don't want a werewolf at my party. And his mother says, why? You don't know any werewolves. Why would you not want a werewolf there? And, and it's really a book about, you know, misconceptions and yeah, acceptance. Yeah, yeah. And by the end of the book, you know, Theron and the other attendants of the party realize that just because the werewolf is different doesn't necessarily mean he's bad, and they become friends. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. So that's a good. So it's a good story about just including everybody type Absolutely. thing. That well, and it's a pretty good topic right now. It's a pretty hot topic right now. Oh, I'm sure inclusiveness is is real big. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about some other things like some of the novels and stuff that you've written and and and. You were saying some short stories you had written. Correct. Did you get some of those published also, the short stories? Um, well, they're all, they're available on the website. So, oh, is that how you do it? So you just yeah. so you write them and then put them up on the website. Yeah, yeah. I've got my uh, my novel series, three books as of now, total about eleven hundred pages between the three. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's fantasy fiction. It's um, in the vein of Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, his Dark Materials sort of stuff. If you're fans of those books, um, those series, or you know even the film adaptations, um, you might want to check them out. It's pretty cool. A little more mature than Harry Potter. Not as uh, wordy as uh, Lord of the Rings. I'm certainly not a linguist like uh, Tolkien was. (laughs) So you're not going to get any uh, lengthy elf soliloquies. Uh, For these, for this, do you come up with a lot of characters? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a pile. So, so as you, I I always wondered about something like this. I remember uh, King's, uh, one of the drawing of the three, the, the gunslinger, all that kind of one, right? Oh, that, you want to talk about the Dark Tower? We'd be right, here the for dark a tower. long time. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and I read that, and I and I'm just saying that remind, what you're saying kind of reminds me of in that vein where it's like you're writing a a, a, a book that could be this big, and you're just doing this instead yes. for the reader's benefit. Yes. Um, when you're writing stuff like that, you create all these characters. Do you get caught up in all that stuff sometimes, where fantasy and reality start screwing with your head a little bit? I wonder. I often wonder because. Because honestly, you guys get so descriptive, and you have such a vivid. Sometimes I'm, I I can't tell you I haven't read these books yet, but I know when it's interesting stuff, especially this fantasy fiction type stuff. You can be so descriptive, and you can be so that you're almost like wondering, does this guy is this guy was he there in some <laughs> capacity before? Do, do, you know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, I get it, and I I do feel like I've I uh, have formed personal connections with a lot of my characters and can visualize them and. Um, understand their personalities, you know, what they would do in this situation as opposed to what I would do or what the reader thinks they should do. You got to think about who this character you've created really is and what they're capable of. Well, okay, I guess is what I'm saying. So, like, you're having a conversation with your wife, mm-hmm. per se, right? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, so-and-so would do it that way. Like, but this is a character that you're like, <laughs> like, does, does, do you ever pull, do you know what I mean? Do you ever pull a character out? As an example, where normally people would use in a real person and be like, <laughs> and be like, like where your worlds are almost getting intertwined. Oh, yeah, with my wife especially. <laughs> well, with uh, my novel, 
when I started out initially, I, I went back to that author's adage, you know, write what you know, write what you know. Right. So I based a lot of my characters on friends and family members so that I didn't have to spend a lot of time beating up descriptions and, right. and worrying about that. Um, so as it goes on, obviously the actual person and the character diverge <laughs> and um, little is left but the actual initial description and then kind of like a, char- a cartoonish characterization of what their actual personality is like. But I will cite incidents in the books occasionally, um, you know, well, so-and-so wouldn't have done it that way. And if you think about it, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I also run into it a little bit, especially when I get deeper into my horror stories um, that, you know, you have to go to a dark place to write that. And you got to really think about some messed up things and visualize, you know, be it twisted notions or gore and violence. Um, and yeah, I, I found myself going to some dark places and having to take a break from time to time because no of all of that negative energy I'm trying to create intentionally. And so you, know, you can't turn it off like a television. Yeah, I guess you're right. Huh? I guess that's just like anything else. Mm-hmm. Why would that be any different? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, star Wars, you know, your focus determines your reality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when, how many books have you written and, and, and like what, yeah, what, where, how does this, how is this working out? Like what, how do, do you make money? St- how, how are you doing all that? On, on occasion, you know, I get a, I have a, a print to order website that I run through called the book patch.com. Oh, um, I self publish all my things through Zach O'Lantern and there's links that lead you to where you can purchase. I also have them in Kindle edition, um, the novels, not the um, children's book. Um, so, you know, I, I, in that regard, I have some readership, um, and I do on occasion get that check in the mail from one of the two websites. You know, it's never never a whole lot more of a moral victory than anything <laughs> to that effect. Um, but since I started the rock, um, the Rust Belt Rock Review, I have seen traffic going through the website. It's going through the roof. I mean, people are really starting to pay attention. They're reading. The bands are very appreciative, and they're promoting it, and um, it's leading to. Just the viewer, the readership is, is going up and up and up. Right. So right now it's a labor of love, but you're, you're oh, hoping yes. maybe maybe someday something could come out of this. Where Well, because the truth of the matter is is that even – same thing with us. You know, we're trying to promote the scene, trying to get these bands. But but if we don't have money coming in, yeah. you, you're limited to what you can promote. Yeah, you know, like, like we what you If you want to actually get out there, if you want to really do this thing on a larger scale and make mm-hmm. it – you, you got to have some kind of income throughout this thing, and it's the only way it really grows. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm always looking for sponsorship opportunities or some sort of syndication deal or one of the larger publications here in town to pick up people like you and I who are out here doing Lemmy's good work yeah. and, uh, and spreading the message about – I mean, this is an untapped media market. There are a lot of people out there, and they're spending money, and they're paying attention, and, you know, why not? Do you think that? Do you think that we're, we're uh, and and I'm, like you say, untapped media market. Like you're talking about Cleveland, the local area that we're yes, in right now. Yes. There's no one. There isn't really anybody who's who's promoting this scene. No, no. I mean, you think about it back to the the late '90s, early 2000s. You had Mushroomhead selling out the Agora in record time. Yeah. You had ticket scalpers on the street selling tickets at at 300% markups. Yeah. For, for a local band. Yeah. And. I never heard word one about their existence anywhere. Me and my buddies would sit around and we would call MMS over and over and over again. 
play measurement, play measurement, play measurement. <laughs> they wouldn't play it. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and and that's the way it is, though. It's just like I said, these local bands have a stigma of not being great because they're local. Yes, for I, some reason. I say they are great and they are just undiscovered. Absolutely. And 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 a long time ago, I talked about this with another band, but you have. The, the Seattle scene, when it happened in the 90s, right? Well, you like it or not, irrelevant. But when it happened, it happened because the Seattle city of Seattle rallied around its bands. Absolutely. That's what happened. Yeah, and eventually the national media picked up on they it. They couldn't ignore it, it is what yeah, happened. They, they couldn't, couldn't ignore, ignore it no more. Yeah. And, and so... And that's what happens with these with these scenes, you know? The, the, it's, the, it's the locals who go crazy, yes. and then they can't be ignored. Yes, and... That, and, and it this, happens time and again. I mean, you see the Seattle scene. Yeah. You look at Bay Area thrash. You yeah, look at exactly. Louisiana Perfectly. sludge. Yeah. Or, or Florida death metal. Yeah. Uh, New, New York hardcore. These things happened, and these scenes flourished. These bands existed, and eventually the rest of the world caught on. But in the meantime, they influenced the entire next generation Absolutely. of musicians and changed the world. Yeah. And I believe that Cleveland scene is no different than those, no. and that these bands are every bit as good as... Half of the touring acts that you see out there and better than the other half. Yeah, it can come from anywhere. It can. It it, it can. Detroit had their scene at one point, MC5 and all that that stuff when it was going on back when it was going on. I mean, if Detroit can have a scene, anybody can have a scene. So so Cleveland can have a scene. Anybody can have a scene. But it does come from people rallying around these bands and going to see them. But I do, I do, I will say, it does seem like things are coming back. They are. That, you know, people are showing up at these gigs. I'm seeing it. The bands are playing out. They're getting gigs. So the venues are live right now. They're 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 booking. You know, it's starting to happen again. It really is. There's a buzz in the air. Like, there is. I, I put my last article about the Grog Shop show last Friday. That I it, it was a tangible electricity. Um, the 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 attendance was initially a little slow. So the club and the bands decided collectively, let's push it back 45 minutes to start the music. And man, it was a great decision because that 45 minutes, they doubled the amount of people in the room. And by the time the second and third act had gone on, it was packed. The mosh pit was on fire. The bands were rocking and jumping around. I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, this energy is real. And I keep saying in my articles, if you live in Northeast Ohio, if you love heavy metal, come to the show. Come meet me. Come tell me what you think. Tell me I'm wrong or agree with me. Yeah, right. I think that's what you're going to do because these bands are good. Hell yeah, they're good, man. And Cleveland's always had a pretty good scene. I mean, it's never, it really always has had a good scene that's mm-hmm. like what we said. It's just always just been ignored. Worse off, it's been ignored by the Cleveland people for years. But I do I do think that's changing. I think that you're going to start seeing more and more of these bands. I'll tell you why. Because it comes down to one thing always, good music. Yes. So, so what I keep hearing is good music now. I hear a lot of bands that are coming out right now putting out good CDs, putting out good, you know, and, and it's not even just the CDs because a lot of times they're just putting singles out right now and yeah. just going that route. That's going to become the way it's it going is. to become anyways. So whatever. But the songs are good, man. There's a mm-hmm. lot of good stuff. That's what it takes. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, what I kind of wonder sometimes, I was just actually thinking about this today. I laugh about it actually because it's like when you go other places, you hear their draws. And you hear there, and you're like, you know, like the Seattle sound or the, the the New York East Coast sound mm-hmm. that was happening. Is there a sound here? You know, have we have we do we that we just don't even recognize ourselves because it's our sound, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a Cleveland sound. Because I I can't say that I know of that there is one. You know what I yeah. mean? 
I, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of subgenre differentiation in Cleveland, um, sub scenes within the scene. Um, I mean, you've got great hardcore coming out of Akron in like rabid reason. Yeah, they, they Akron's got, really getting yeah, a hot spot. It seems like they're they're punking hardcore scene down there, Akron, Kent area down on the south side. Um, there's another band called Off Course out of Kent that's very good, and they're both out there working. Similarly, up in Cleveland and um, on the north coast side of it, I've noticed that there's um, a very big, I think it's called death thrash thing coming. It's it's, uh, it, it's almost like the musicianship of thrash metal, death vocals, but without that power metal aspect that you get in like a melodic death metal band. Um, now, I don't know how unique that is to hear, but the, there's a lot of bands that I'm noticing, Cleveland, Michigan, Wisconsin, that are going in this direction. And these bands are playing together. They're, they're trading shows and touring up and oh, down cool. together. So I, you can see there's overlap and there's influence going on between them. Yeah, that's cool, too. That, that that's The scene needs that, too. Mm-hmm. You need the bands first to, to be able to all figure it out that we all work together. Yeah. You yeah. Know, this is going to be a lot better for everybody. Well, yeah. I mean, if you got a place to crash, you know the name of the cheap hotel. You know where the, where the good food spot is. You know, like, you, you can't find that out until you go there unless you've got a friend ahead of time who can be like, yeah, man, we'll, we'll spo- sponsor you when you come in. That was what was uh, real cool about my Maple Grove show last weekend was uh, it was Pigweed, and they had Dreams in Peril on their first tour. And Dreams in Peril kept going on and on in my interview about how they were so appreciative of Pigweed because they were showing them the ropes. And they were, they were you know, helping them avoid the potholes and make the most of their time yeah. on their first tour. And it's real cool seeing that mentoring process go down. Yeah, the camaraderie. And, and, and uh, you know, that's another great point. What you just said is, you know, um, it's kind of like funny. It's kind of like. As you grow up and uh, you have kids and and you or you remember back as when you were a kid and your mom was always like you know you're gonna regret this and then and you're like yeah whatever you know and then 20 years later you're like man she was so right about yeah that, you know you can eliminate that a lot of that if you just had listened to your mom yeah yeah and it's the same type of mentoring here right where it's like these some of these bands have been there and done some things and now uh-huh. you have an opportunity to pick their brain and listen to them. and if you're one of the people it's like yeah I already know everything. You're not going to grow. You're going to, you know, you could grow, but it's the slower, more painful process oh, yeah. of growing. Where if you yeah. listen to some of these guys, you can eliminate a lot of the mistakes that they all made. Yeah, absolutely. And some of those mistakes are critical. I mean, this is a very unforgiving industry. Um, you, if you miss your opportunity, there may not be a second one. There's no sick days. There's no HR department to, to exactly. plead your, your rights to. It's um, a good point. It's It's there. And you better grab it right by the balls and not let go because if you don't, someone else is going to. And you never know who's in the crowd. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a representative from Nuclear Blast. You it's know, a very good point. You never know who's out there. You know, there, you'll see that random dude in the back who's not quite dressed and he's he's paying close attention. Does he approach you after the set or does he leave? Yeah, that's a very good point. And 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 the other thing I think is take advantage of all your opportunities, right? Like yeah. like that that you like. Carpe noctum, man. Yeah, no matter what, no matter how small it might seem in your head, or infinitesimal, like you, 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 in your head, you think, oh, this isn't going to be that big of a deal, ah, whatever. I can. But the tr- truth is, is what you just said. You never know who's listening, who's watching, who anything. You never know. Yeah, and in this day and age, even more to that point, who's going to see it after the fact in a, in a social media share? Right. Who's going to, you know, you give the performance of your life tonight at the Foundry or Maple Grove Tavern, right. or Agora Ballroom, you know, for 12 people. But 
somebody videotapes that and puts it online and the right person bloop, 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 before you know it, it's in somebody's lap. It says, damn, you know, and most people that make it to the bigs, it's a random encounter. Well, you know? it, it also sometimes just takes it to, to get to your a, a computer of somebody who's like you, who who has this, this fanatical love of music, has a whole bunch of followers in place and says, you know what? I just heard this. I like it. Mm-hmm. They put it out there a link or the song or whatever, and because it's a trusting again. That's what the, the internet kind of creates. It's the only thing good about it is that if you use it right, people turn people on, and you know that person, so yeah. you're like, oh, I, I will listen to that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what happens. I mean, it's, yeah. really, it's that, about that. Yeah. it's You know what? It's uh, you, you hear about posts going viral and yes. the negative portions of social media and it's spreading this disease throughout humanity is driving us all insane yeah i I look at at this community you and i and the people in the underground that are sharing this music we we are the we are the vaccine to the internet virus we we are sharing the healing process i love we are sending the medicine to the people out there who need it um i had this conversation with dreams in peril about that and their frontman dakota I, I'll screw up the quote now, but to paraphrase, he said the reason he became a vocalist is because he wants everyone out there who hears his music to know they are not alone and someone is listening. And it just resonated with me. Cool. Like, because like that's why so many of us listen to metal. That's why we go to shows. That's why damn near every musician that you talk to started. It's it's There's a driving force behind that. For sure. Be it pain or pride or whatever. And they channel that into creating this art form. And, and it it helps people. Yeah, you, know, you see that bumper sticker floating around, music saves. And it's yeah. the truest sentiment in the world. It's true. Well, you can lose yourself. And that's I think that's the to sum it up in a way that's simple and playing you can lose yourself in a song. Yes. You know, you can you can put on music and uh, you know the funny thing about music though, I'm older, so we used to have albums and stuff. And one of the thing, cool things about albums was always that you could lose yourself in the song, but then you also had this freaking image that you could stare at for a yeah. day. People yeah. don't even realize that. Like, we would literally, yeah. if the album cover was the Kiss Alive 2 album cover, when you opened it up, it was all the stage and the fire was coming out. Oh, yeah. I spent more time staring at that album cover than any video Kiss ever yeah. put out. <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't lay out yeah. your Spotify image on the living room floor and, and, no. and look at the intricate detail oh my of God. this artwork because Absolutely. metal artwork i mean can we talk about that for a second of all genres of music the you anybody has the best album covers be it something very simple like the old van halens with like the logo or or you get the insane gore of a cannibal corpse or oh yeah barbecue. or death death yes. had some really great ones oh, leprosy like and those ones were great those oh, are great yes, album covers yes leprosy like, yeah 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 those are great album covers <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're so creative. Some of them album covers, but then you have like album covers like King Crimson, the the core with Crimson King with the the big deformed face was on there, and it's like that's one of the most famous album covers there are. It's just so great absorbing yourself, and because because heavy metal culture, hard rock culture, it's, it's layers of art because image is so much a part of it. Um, that's something I love about local bands is is you know. The ones that actually go the extra mile aren't for. I mean, look at you know, Mushroomhead took a took a risk, put on a mask, and they exploded. Yeah. You know, I mean, we caught. I can't remember the name of the band, but it was just some opener at, I think the old Peabody's, and they came out. I mean, full corpse paint. They're wearing armor. They got goat skulls hanging from their mic stands, and I was just like, 
Excellent. Uh. <laughs> and before the first note, I'm just like, these guys get it, you know, and you don't have to go that far, especially if you're not in black metal, please do not. Um, <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's about dedication and passion. When I see a band go in the extra yard, it, it impresses me because it shows that passion. So that's what you when you're when you're doing a review that that you you take all that into account. Oh, also, you're yeah, like you're yeah. like you know the the light show, everything that they put into it, everything's yeah. everything's. So what what are you looking for though? What are you, what is your what was the best review you ever gave? Who's the what's the what's the best when you when you walked away? Not to promote anybody, honestly. Who's the best one you were like that was the shit? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, the one that I think I got the most absolute joy out of writing was my Danzig post. I mean, I got my. Oh. I, I got my, I wear the mark with pride. No and kidding. When when my old man took me to my very first gig in 1994, Metallica at Blossom when their hair was still long, and I was a 14 year old kid, just frothing at the mouth for this show, my first concert. Um, the opening acts were Suicidal Tendencies and Danzig. Yeah. And um, I have been a very big fan of both ever since. But if I had to choose, I would say Danzig is my favorite band of all no time. No kidding. Love Do you go back to Sam Hain and, and Misfits also? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I, I love it all. I love it all. I've even I've got, you know, the Black Aria classical albums as well. I listen to them while I'm writing. Um, but I've seen them many times over the years. And every tour, Glenn threatens, this is the last time. <laughs> right. So every time it rolls around that there's one coming, well, maybe this is the last time. I mean, Glenn Danzig is in his mid to late 60s at this point. Yeah. So um, we made the trip down to Cincy, and um, the opening acts were really good. Uh, if you don't know about Crowbot, check them out. They are out of Pennsylvania. They're great. But um, I got to see Danzig play probably the best set I've ever seen him perform. Um, he's a moody dude, so when he's pissed off, there's nights when he's he's not feeling it. You can kind of tell. Um, he was definitely feeling it in Cincinnati that cool. night, and he played a lot of extra songs and the thing about it that made it so special was, of all the shows over all the years I've seen, he's never played my favorite, and that's Killer Wolf. And he did. Oh, that's and, a, that's uh, always that's always the kicker, man. Yes, and uh, I, you know, if this is the last time I get to see my favorite rock star perform, uh, he made me cry because he <laughs> played my jam, and I. Yeah, like I guess I was telling people, it's like I felt like one of those dudes you see in like the mega church videos, just. <laughs> you know, it, it was just letting the just letting it wash over me. It was Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was cool, man. one of those great moments in metal fandom. I notice also in your on your card here, I'm looking at it right now actually. Illustrator. That's correct. We haven't we haven't discussed this part of it yet. So so this is another art form that you're that you're obviously tinker with, I guess you could say. Yeah, right. yeah a little bit. Um you know, in my uh, my first children's book I did uh all the Artwork for it in uh, sort of like the original South Park style. We did, oh. did construction paper cutouts, glued it all together with paste. Um, it, it, it's it's got a, a subtle charm to it. Uh, um, for the second children's book, I uh, actually have finished but have not yet released, um, which is called Captain Kaylee's Outer Space Adventure or something to that effect. I don't remember exactly right <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, but it's about a little girl from Cleveland um, who gets taken to space by uh, astronaut cats and uh, because she needs to help save the galaxy. And uh, that artwork I did all myself as well with um, color pencil. And um, it turned out really well. When I used Prismacolors. It's very vivid. Um, and I did because it's based on my niece, 
who lives out on the west side, I um, got some cool Cleveland skyline pictures and did like a tracing of it. And so in the background oh, cool. of a lot of the shots, you've got Cleveland at night, like with the sunset behind oh, it. Nice. It's pretty rad. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And then um, for my uh, my short stories on my website, I've done a couple original color pencil sketches just so they have a an image, you know, to put at the top of them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's I do a little bit of illustration. It's it's kind of painstaking, and um, I would love to hire an illustrator someday, I somebody you. who's much better than me. I know some incredible uh, tattoo artists that work over at Adam Bomb and Willoughby, and um, these guys can. They can draw some shit. Yeah. Um, have you talked yeah. to them? I mean, is I something? have, I have, but um, like me, they are very, very busy men. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is a kind of guy who, I mean, he brings down like 150 bucks an hour for art. So oh, oh, you oh. know, and he's got a mortgage to pay as well. So I'm not gonna. Yeah, right. Try to tax him. Hey, yeah, right. I need you to spend two weeks drawing a great picture for me, and you're not getting anything. Yeah, your labor yeah. of love don't yeah, only yeah. go so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I could probably get him to buy me a beer if I came up short, but I don't know if I want to tax him with that much of a thing <laughs> at least not until i have some promise of a circulation beyond my own promotion you well, know that's it and or, or that your promotion can create the circulation that somebody yeah, yeah. would say hey yeah i'll do that for you mm-hmm. i mean the rust belt review and then my my creative writing run tandem to one another but i do know that there is overlap between horror fans and fantasy fans and metal fans but it's not 100 percent. and a lot of people are not readers so that was part of the reason why I wanted to do this because I wanted to connect with more Clevelanders as an author, but I, I needed a different format. So yeah, it is, it is kind of neat that you do the written form and that's because it is kind of not, it's dying art. Yeah. And the way, one of the things that they're replacing it with is like the audio versions of books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where they, are you going to, are you into that? Have you been doing that or are you um, thinking about doing that? I would or? love to. And I do have a small, uh, home recording setup. Um, you know, it's not set up, it's in boxes in the closet, but I, I have the <laughs> capabilities to do it, but I do have two small children at home. Uh, so locking myself down for several hours and expecting some recording environment to exist <laughs> is a pretty tall order. Um, it would be cool to do. I do listen to a lot of audiobooks um, to try to keep fresh ideas in my head. Um, I would love to do that in the event that I could find the right situation to make it work. Yeah, it seems like that your stuff would reach a, a huge, a much bigger crowd if you could get that. It would, it would. And while I'm pretty good talking, and I think I'm very good at writing, um, I actually do a very terrible job of reading aloud. Really? Yeah. I you s- sound like you're reading when you're well, reading? No, I, I stumble over words. I skip <laughs> them. I'm terrible at it. I really? don't know what it is. I think it, I'm thinking too much, not paying attention. I can read silently just fine. Oh, but yeah. I try to read out loud. I'm, you know, mush mouth. So uh, I don't think I would be a good fit to narrate my own work. Well, it's an, as an author, do you think that, like when you're writing a book or when you're writing this stuff out, do you, because reading something and hearing something are two different ways to mm-hmm. receive anything you're going to process it differently yes as an author how do you feel about audiobooks i mean how do you feel about uh your work being translated into somebody speaking it to somebody do you feel weird about that because it's not being read um it 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 is an odd sensation i'm glad you actually brought that up um i was actually featured on the california gothic podcast um narrated by lucas coleman he adapted my short story liberty and death um, and I think he did a bang-up job of it. He's a very good narrator. He had some nice little atmospheric, creepy sounds in the background, oh, you know, some cool. synth sounds and stuff. Just adds like a spooky atmosphere. Um, but that was something, 
as a writer in my career that when it happened, it was huge for me. I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Because I, I listened to all my favorite authors on tape frequently and to be able to hear my own material read back yeah, by somebody you know, by else. someone who's who's pretty professional and does a pretty good job. I was very, very pleased with it, and it was, like I said, very fulfilling. So they, they did they interpret their own, did they, they put their own interpretation of what, like, or did it all kind of fall into exactly the way you wrote it? More or less. I mean, like, uh, one character, he, the voice he chose was not how I had envisioned it, but it oh, certainly was not that any, kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, that, I mean, you're talking about nitpicking there. Well, no, but yeah, I but mean, I mean, it, it's little stuff. But it does throw things off a little bit, right? Because oh, yeah, this is this yeah. is the voice in your head. And that that's the voice. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you get a different voice, and I'm sure you're like, for a second, yeah, you, you, yeah. I'm sure you adjust as absolutely. Fine, but. but you know what? On the other hand, it's I mean, this man is an artist in his own right, and uh, I want to respect his his Heck work, yeah. his vision, and as an independent reader who doesn't know me, um. The reader interprets, you know, you you see the movie version of your favorite book. You go, yeah, that's not how I pictured him. You know, he was yes. taller in my mind. 100% you know, true. You know. That's a so, good point. That's a so, real good point. I mean, you it know, happens all the time, I, I guess. I've read or, excuse me, listened to his prior episodes, and I was very uh, excited to work with him because Lucas does a very good work. His narration is, is it's a clear diction, but he's got that sort of voice that just it's just a little bit spooky. And I, I thought he just did a great job with Liberty and Death. That's cool. So you, you were saying earlier about how when you come up with characters and stuff for stories, a lot of times you're, you're basing just on people that you know, change mm-hmm. the names around, a couple of things. So yeah. Does that ever happen to you where somebody comes up to you, like especially if you you have to create the bad guy in some of your stories for, you know, whatever, has anyone ever come up to you and be like, I know that was me. I uh, know you. I know that was me um, because you said this and I know you know about that. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Did you ever have that happen? I had a, a, a situation with that with my short story, Devil Music. Um, where I grew up out in Madison, Ohio, uh, my house had a bunch of woods behind it and me and my brothers over the years and our buddies dug a big hole in the ground in the woods and we affectionately refer to it as the pit. And in the pit, we would have campfires as we were boys and then get hammered drunk as we grew into teenagers and men (laughs) and I had a lot of fun back there over the years. So I decided I want to write a story about that. Where things go wrong. Though. Right, cool. So, so I, I uh, but I based the characters loosely on my best friend Chen Killingsworth, and my two little brothers and myself. I intentionally swapped all their characteristics around then, um, because I didn't want anyone to draw comparisons <laughs> based on the way these the decisions these characters make. You know, I mean, I've got I've got the, the the three men I'm closest with in my life, and then uh, characters that are loosely based on uh, a couple of uh, the ladies that I love, and um, you know my wife and my sister-in-law. And then I had this antagonist character, um, and she's just awful. And I really, really, really didn't want any of the ladies in my family or in my life to think that that character was based on them. Um, but there were some people who tried to make that, is that Bert? Is that her? Uh, yeah. Is that her? I said, no, no. Yeah. You know, I didn't, you know, no, no angry feelings were ever expressed to me, but I was a little concerned and had to put out a few small fires, making sure that everyone in my family knew that this is a work of fiction. It's not meant to be sly autobiographical, um, allegory. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny. I, uh, me and Pat, we wrote a song called, uh, painted eyebrows and, um, it was about somebody, 
And and they they called me right out. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you handle that? No, oh, oh, that was a, it's a coincidence. Never. And they called me right out on it, and it was. Uh, I, and then I told him I was like, man, it, it was definitely about her. <laughs> but <laughs> that's good. That's good stuff. That's right why it made me think that I was like, yeah. I wonder if the same thing happens to you, because you know, I would just think that in general, because of your situation, because you know, it's. What you do is unique. So I'm sure like family and friends and stuff like that, they look at you as you're that guy who does this thing. And so they have the same kind of questions I'm thinking about asking you right now, you know, like, or they think the same way. It's like, well, you're developing all these characters and obviously you're basing it on something. Is it me? Mm-hmm. You know, and then and, and, and do, I wonder if people in conversation, you know, because I'm sure your friends and stuff read your stuff. There's a great question. Time out. Let's ask that question. Do you find that family and friends that you that when you write a, a something and stuff, right? And you, so you tell the people about. It. Do they go out and read your stuff actually, or do you find that they're some of the hardest people to get to to take part in what you've done? Um, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, like I like I mentioned earlier. I mean, there's people out there that just don't read. I got my one good buddy. He's like a brother to me. And um, but I mean seriously, like you put a pamphlet in his hand, he'll say, "What does it say?" <laughs> you know, he's he, he's not gonna do it. I don't yeah. think he's ever read a book for pleasure in his life. It's not something he's interested in. I don't blame him for not reading my stuff when he sees it. He says, "Great job, dude. I'm proud of you that you're still doing it." But he, you know, he's not gonna read it. Yeah, right. Um, on the other hand, I've got my uncle. He lives down in South Carolina, and he's fanatical. I mean, every time something new comes out, he gets it. And then he puts it on his Facebook and his social media, shares Absolutely. it. He, he walk, my aunt told me he was walking around his job before he retired, forcing people to take my novel, <laughs> telling them, you're going to read this. My nephew's great. I mean, he's, he's this, I mean, I love, I love you, Uncle Herb. Um, he's, he's a good dude, man. And, uh, he, he really loves my writing and yeah. it's, it's authentic, you know? So I, when I wrote the, my first short story back, Devil Music, I, um, I gave him a copy of the original manuscript that I printed out my first rough draft. Of. Here, you can read it in this format and keep that forever. You never know. It might be worth something someday. That's <laughs> <laughs> excellent, man. Yeah. So. That's his, that's his, that was his thing. You know, he's, and when they fly the flag for you, some of the people that fly the flag for you like that, you got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you got to do something for them and they appreciate it. Like you give him something like that and he's like, oh, thank you. That's so mm-hmm. cool. You know, like they'll, they'll at least appreciate it. So what you do is, so you have the, the, um, Zachalanern.com um, set up where you can do the Rust Belt, you do your Rust Belt Rock review, mm-hmm. but then you have all your books on there also that people, do they, do they is it, a, a, you buy the book off of you or how does that work? Well, um, it's essentially a blog with different categories. Uh, the one is all the Rust Belt Rock review stuff and then the other has my three short stories available for free. Um, and then at the bottom in my frequently asked questions, there's um, links to the websites where you can purchase the novels, both in print form and on a Kindle edition. Oh, okay, okay. And, and when you say a print form, do you actually that you send them the link that they can print out the the stuff, or you send them the printed version? No, you you go to the website, you place your order, and then they send you a paperback. Oh, oh, okay, I see. Oh, so you have a company that does that for you? Yeah, it's thebookpatch.com is where I'm at right now. So what do you do? How does that work? You just send them the, the, the script. You send them all this stuff. They put the book form in it, and then they sell the book, and then you get a percentage of the money that they sell. Is that how that works? More or less. It's it's um, it's um pretty DIY. It's you, you, It's got a template. You upload your artwork, your your text, okay. um, do your formatting, choose your fonts, all that fun stuff. And then, yeah, they, they have the, the cost for printing, and then you add – 
how much you want to charge above cost to that. And that's what you make. Yeah, yeah, and then that comes back to me. And then, you know, similarly with Kindle, you get a percentage back, I think quarterly. Interesting. Interesting. You get something. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool yeah. that they could do it that way because then they don't have a huge investment exactly. in anything, and and you're, there's no there's not a lot of risk involved. Yeah. But you, you're still getting compensated for your work, and it's a lot you don't have to deal with that whole end of things. And I don't have to worry about preprinting costs. I don't have to worry about uh, stock. You know, keeping the pi- I, when I first started out, I had like boxes in my living room with piles of novels. You know, and it's yeah. like that thing weighs a hundred pounds. You know, and um, now, in the event that you know. Things like this happen where I'm, people take notice and there's suddenly an influx uh, demand for my writing. These websites will be able to accommodate the orders as they come in, as opposed to me having to put up thousands of dollars ahead of time to, to buy my own personal stock. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know you know who Eddie Trunk is? Yes, yes. Do you find that you're like Cleveland's version or like the new version of Eddie Trunk? I mean, is that kind of what you're doing in a way, sort of? Except you don't have your own radio show type thing, but you're that guy that they're going to know as the journalist that's showing up and then writing about him and da-da-da-da. I mean, you're that guy kind of, right? I mean. There is nothing more in life that I would love than to fill that role. for the Right, community. that'd be cool, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I want to be the guy to go to. I want people in this town to say, if I want to know who's the up and rising stars in Cleveland's rock scene, Yeah, where the big event is, or, or you know, who's got the album dropping this fall. Um, I want them to come to the Rust Belt Rock Review. I want yeah. them to know that I have the relationships and the networking in the scene, and it's growing every week. Yeah, and, is it, so, and there'll be a trust that the, the people will put in your word because yeah. it's like, you know, this guy's somebody that knows what the hell he's talking about. His, he's, he's got a reputation. I mean, I heavy metal is one of the things that I know. I'm not a... I'm no Sam Dunn or Eddie Trunk, you know. Yeah, I right. would like to be someday have that level of respect. But I, I know a little bit on the subject, I'd like to say, and um, it is something I'm passionate about. And being a former underground band guy myself, as are the vast majority of the people in my life have all played in bands, um, we've worked at it and we know how hard it is. And I've said a couple times to my, my friends and family in the last week or so, I wish when I was 23 years old, and I was taking my shot at the big time that some 42-year-old guy would have wandered through the club and said, you know what, man? You kick ass. How about I give you a review? Because, I mean, that's – and, and yeah. how about I promote your band? I love your CD. How about I make sure everybody listens to it who will listen to me? You're right, dude. That's true. Like, if you have a gig and then, like, in a week, you're like, hey, hey, guys, you got to check this out. And be like, you go to your next practice or whatever with this, with this freaking – Right up, and you're like, check this out. Yeah. Somebody actually was at the gig and wrote this about our band. Yeah. And if yeah. you're, if you're, especially if you're somebody who's not that popular, or you're not, you know, you're writing about the 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 the, the opening acts and everybody, right? Everybody. I mean, you're you're covering everybody. everybody, so this is your chance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's very important for rock fans to remember that every band that you love, from the newest hit single, you know, the new hot album to the greatest of all time. Everyone was somebody's opening act once. That's true. Everybody started in a VFW hall or a community run center or something, and they worked their way up. Um, If you want to be able to say that you were at the birth of the movement, you have to be there. You have to go. Like how many times, how many people – you, you talk to and they say, oh, I love thrash metal. What would it have been like to be at Ruthie's in the Bay and to see Exodus, Metallica, Death Angel, 
violence together at the age of 17. Yeah. Dave Mustaine is still in Metallica. Cliff Burton is still alive. And you're watching the birth of what will become the biggest metal band possibly of all time. What would you say if you could get in a time machine and be there? Oh, yeah. Watch it. To see, to see Paul Bailoff tearing people's Exodus. shirts off of their bodies because they're posers. Yeah. You know? I Die mean, poser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Paul Murder Bailoff. in the front row. I mean, this is, if you want to be at these visceral events, these underground shows, my friend Vern, who is the guitarist in Rabid Reason, sent me a message last week um, about their first show back from COVID. I said, how'd it go? He said, well, my dude got knocked out in the pit. <laughs> Straight up, knocked unconscious, had to be carried out of the club. <laughs> like he said, it was off the hook. Crazy. I mean, yeah, People yeah. penned up for, for that long. You yeah, watch it all. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's that's the passion that you see in, in underground hard rock and metal and, and, and hardcore and punk is that these fans are so... I mean, the name of the band, Rabid Reason, is very fitting because these dudes, they're... They're crazy, yeah. and they are ready to throw down. Yeah. And, and their fans follow that energy, and they project it, and it's a give and take, and, and it just goes through the roof. Hell, yeah. That's Hell what's yeah. happening in Cleveland. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's it, the, the thrash and metal scene's been around for a long time, oh, sure. and that is, it's they're fun to go see. I think, I think if, there, if there's people who haven't seen one, they have to understand that you don't necessarily have to be in the mosh pit. Oh, no, no. Right? no. I think a lot of people don't, don't know, yeah. because when you hear about these shows – you know, it's like, oh my God, I don't, I can't, I don't, oh my God, I don't want to see that. No, it, there's a, it's the middle usually, it's the center. Yeah, yeah. The center's insane. Yeah, you but can determine. There's a, there's, there's a lot of people who are my age that go to see these shows that aren't getting in the middle any longer. Oh. So there's got to be a place for us. There, you know, there's, it's like a wheelchair section. Yeah, and more or less, man. <laughs> but I, uh, I, um, people need to understand that there, yeah, like you said, there's rings. It's like an onion. Yes. You know, you want to be at the epicenter. Where the action is, yeah. you could be there. But there's plenty of places in the in the club that are very safe to hang out. You're not going to get touched. And, oh um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but me, I uh, you know, I got a bad back at this point, so I try to stay out of the pit unless it's a very special occasion. Yeah. Um, sometimes but, you can't help it, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> when, when the spirit takes me, man, I mean, yeah. I, I'm out there. But um, more often than not, now I'm on that that outer ring of the pit, helping hold it together because I, I can get reaction shots of the crowd close enough to get good shots of the band. Though I will admit that at, at least three recent shows, I have had my phone blasted out of my hand. Oh, I, I, I lost a full PBR tall can last weekend, man. <laughs> this kid just, he just, I mean, he was going off. And he just flew loose of the pit and right out of my hand. And I was picked it up and it's just. Oh, kid. Hey, you know what? The Grog Shop has $5 tall cans. It was a small hit. You know, I, I, I <laughs> oh, recovered. Five dollars? Yeah, man. Really? Ooh, well, twenty-four that's... ounce tall boy, man. Oh, that's a good deal. Cost effective. Yeah. See, there's another reason to go to these local shows. You want to go to Blossom? You want to go to see these other shows and pay fifteen dollars a beer? Yeah, man. Out of your mind. You yeah. go to these local shows. At least you can get a beer at a reasonable price. Oh yeah, yeah. And a lot of these cover charges are five, ten dollars to see these shows if there's any at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you get in with the bands, and like you're, there's a lot of younger people out there who are hard up for the cash. You know, they don't necessarily have ten, twelve bucks in this economic climate. These guys, are they bend over backwards to bring fans in. Yeah. In fact, Assault, on the last time I spoke to them, as far as I know, their CD release party is going to be a free show. Oh, that's and, great. Because uh, I spoke to their front man, and he said something very important to them is to make sure that after all the hard work over these years, getting to this point, they don't want a single fan left outside because they're short 10 bucks. 
So yeah. they're gonna uh, they're gonna be eating the cost on that, paying the club up front, and uh, letting anybody who wants to come out and see some good heavy metal in for free. So that's pretty sweet, rad, sweet man. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. All right, man. I think we're gonna wrap it up right there, dude. All right. Awesome. Cool. I really appreciate you coming, man. I had a great time. I yeah, really you're you're an interesting here. guy, real interesting guy. I really I look forward to talking to you more in the future. Actually, yeah, I look forward to it as well, my yeah. friend. All right, guys, check out ZM Delgado. Go to zackalanton.com. Check out the Rust Belt Rock review on his website, and that's enough from us. And support Cleveland Metal every weekend. That too. All right, we're done. We'll see you guys later.